Happy Friday, everybody. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And Atari rises like a phoenix from the ashes once more. In episode 196, today, October 22nd, 2020. To get the most out of Joygasm, follow us on social media of your choice and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.com slash TV. I'll just throw that out there. We have all kinds of meaty morsels for you to gnaw on this episode. Gaming news includes Ghost of Tsushima 2 Rumblings. Ubisoft shutting down Uplay and NBA 2K19 unskippable ad issue. Movie news spotlights the return of the Animaniacs. Disney's new CG movie, new details on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, Sherlock Holmes 3 and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Technology news. Yes, we do in fact still have technology news. What? Highlights Disney's ongoing battle to reopen Disneyland in California and I, I'm not sure even how to pr- pr- pronounce this. Uh, it's pronounce uh, it. Kibi. I'm, I'm just going to say Kibi has uh, d- decided to shut its doors after really not even having much of a launch. Our topic of the day is the Atari VCS console, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of your podcast provider. How you doing, Ovechni? I'm good, Russ. Nah, that's good, Steve. I woke up to a little thunder and lightning this morning. I did, too. It was mm. like a, I don't know, going to a rave or something. There was a lot of techno strobe yeah. lightning action happening. I woke up. It was bright. And it was dark at the same time. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so I woke up. I uh, what time did you wake up there, Steve? Oh, about four forty-five. Four forty-five. You know, Steve. I think I woke up around the same time as you. Yeah, I imagine us since uh, well, you only live about four miles away from me. <laughs> I actually woke up for a different reason, though. I'll tell you. In a so the same lightning I'm seeing, you're seeing too. Actually, I think I probably see a little bit before you. Maybe about thirty seconds. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good, though. We haven't had a good lightning storm. It wasn't really a storm, but I uh, guess it was kind of a storm. Make up your mind, Steve. It was, was, it was what it was. Was there a lot of rain, though, or was it just a lot of lightning? The rain came later. It was mostly thunder and lightning. Mm-hmm. No wind, really. No. That came later, too, actually. Um, well, that was probably when I was already at uh, the jobby job. I didn't feel any wind. I just walked outside. It was raining. I guess it's great. And so I woke up. I had to get something to eat because by that time I'm awake and my body's going, okay, well, since we're up, let's eat. So I had some seaweed. (laughs) (laughs) And then I uh, went back to bed and tried to sleep after all the flashing and... And yeah, I did. Did Did you bust out the glow sticks? No, I was trying to sleep. I was trying to eliminate all light. Uh Uh-huh. If I was in bed with you, I'd bust out the glow sticks. I know you would. And I would gyrate furiously on your body. I know you would. And I would record it. I know you would. And post it. (laughs) I know you would. Which is why you'll (laughs) never get into bed with me anymore. You think that's the case? No. Oh, man. I remember. And I do it in slow motion, too. You used to come in my room when we were in junior high. I, no, wait, we, just I. <laughs> I was <laughs> held back by a few grades. And so you thought it would be funny to wake me up while I was sleeping peacefully. Well, how else would I wake you up? What, would I wake you up while you're awake? Yeah, sometimes I zone out, you know, <laughs> snap out of it. So you'd come over and you would like lean way into my face Put your into the personal space. I haven't brushed my teeth yet. Mouth. Nope. I've been sleeping like this all night long. All night, accumulating all that death breath. Stank, rank, and stale. And you would just breathe slowly into my inhale, like (laughs) hovering over my nostrils, going. (laughs) 
as I'm trying to ease into my day. And that's how I'd wake up. You know, the, the, just to paint uh, more of a visual of this, the funny, most uh, re- rewarding payoff to that was that I would do it subtly enough that it wouldn't just instantly wake Steve up. I would do it uh, with a slow but sure uh, uh, increase to the death breathage. Uh, and I could watch as Steve, who was probably enjoying a lovely dream because he had this little subtle smile while he was sleeping. That uh, smile quickly turned into a bewildered frown as he was still unconscious before finally his body instructed him to crack open one of his eyeballs. <laughs> and that's when the... Uh, the damn doors broke open, so to speak, and the full fury of said death breath visited and greeted Steve to start off his day right. No, I don't remember it that way. I remember it, me having consciousness from my dream. Consciousness. What was happening, and I would try and hold my breath so that I could not breathe it. And then you realized I was holding my breath. And so you'd go, (sighs) and then wait until I tried to like breathe some sort of clean air. And then you go, (laughs) gosh. Okay. So that is true. And that happened once you were actually awake. So yeah, there were, there were many stages to the obligatory older brother torturing the younger brother type of thing. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me that Steve. I don't want you in my bed. (sighs) Don't say that Steve. I don't want you in my bed. I'm going to uh, spoon you. I'm going to lock the door. So, Russ, what have you been doing? What have you been playing? Well, let me think about this, Steve. Uh, so, of course, more Legends of Runeterra has become kind of a daily staple of the Russ gaming uh, diet. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Keep it under five minutes this time, okay? Been able to unlock uh, <laughs> quite a few more of the loot boxes in that game, so that's nice. I have still failed to get a Xbox Series X pre-order. Yeah. I looked on Amazon last night, still unavailable. You know, Steve, I think Amazon's probably a lost cause at this point. Amazon doesn't really strike me as the kind of place where they have aggressive amounts of stock that comes into their inventory. I know they have warehouses, but Amazon seems to be more like, okay, we, we here's all of the stock that we have. We're just going to let it loose all in one sitting, and then they'll get more later on down the road. Because if you were to compare them to, say, Best Buy, Best Buy has been receiving more and more inventory in these weird pockets of time. So all of a sudden, it's like the pre-order goes live again. And you had to see that on Amazon, Steve. You know what's uh, always been a good spot to go? No. Target. Well, normally, yes, I would agree. But this time, no. It's sold out there too, Steve. Well, sometimes they sell out, but then people don't input stock levels correctly. Are you saying that there is a uh, competency issue with the people inputting those numbers, Steve? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, I am on a daily basis, Russ. Are, are you saying that they may be the kind of people who are more interested in writing words through a calculator held upside down, Steve? Probably. Mm-hmm. Now, they do also get shipments the day of. And I remember we would get like a ton in and, and people would, would come into the store at the beginning of the day like, <laughs> Or whatever it was, <laughs> and and then you know we, we would sell a few, and then like a shipment would come like at ten a.m., and then we have a bunch, and then they'd just be like a regular day, and then someone would kind of wander, or meander, kind of hopscotch their way back to electronics and go, oh, "Hey, you have Xboxes?" You're like, "Yeah, they're here." So you know, Tarjay, I have heard rumors, Steve, that on the actual date that the console is supposed to launch uh-huh. that target may in fact get some more units, <laughs> which means that you and I have a date with destiny, Steve. That's right. We are going to get in line. Mm-hmm. A date mm-hmm. with the raspberry shirts. Exactly. <laughs> what's the, what's the raspberry? Shirts? They're all dressed in red. 
different different that's not the color of raspberries of red raspberry is more like a pink maroon color Uh, target's red that's what i they they have all i think you're i think you're thinking of strawberries no not raspberries i mean strawberries would work i'm saying raspberry because you know perhaps it's not just one shade of red as long as you're wearing like a red something you're in you're good okay so I've seen all levels of red, Russ, and pink. <coughs> okay. <laughs> I have gotten farther in Star Wars squadrons. I feel as though I'm probably on the last level, if not the second to last level. That's nice. Russ. I will uh, abstain from telling you precisely what's going on because I don't want to spoil it for you or any of our listeners. But um, I have been having a really fun time through that campaign. Uh, what else? I think that's about all the news that's fit to print oh, on my side sure of things, Steve. That, yeah, that's quite short about this the, time. Oh. Well, it's been a busy week, I must Man. say. Work has taken up quite a bit of time, Steve. It's about to take a nap for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah tell us what you're doing. Week. I gotta go sleep. <laughs> <laughs> nice to know you care, Steve. <laughs> What about you? What have you been watching? What have you been playing with, Rusty? Russ. So, the wife and I decided we should watch a little Pixar something something. Uh-huh. We threw uh, Wally in. Didn't you watch that with her recently? Not that recently, Russ. Maybe it was me. <laughs> Thinking I was you. <laughs> watching the movie with your wife. As I was spooning you while you were sleeping. Oh, man. With the glow sticks. Nice. <laughs> no, so uh, we watched that, and that was uh, that, that's a great movie, Russ. It's a great movie. I, however, do not like the live-action sequences. I felt that broke the... The live-action sequences? Yeah, and Wally, there are certain scenes where, like, like they're watching some sort of uh, video recording of, oh, like, the president or something, and they right. actually used real life actors yeah. in the movie. I'm like, no. Yeah. The Pixar kind of- is CG and he's a stay in the world of CG. That, that, that kind of threw me out of the, yeah, the experience kind of a bit. about what they did, uh, but it was okay. Right? No, so I'm sure you thought so. So after that, yeah, you know, I, Playing a bunch of Overwatch rests. It's, uh, it's Halloween really? terror that's going on. So, uh, we and- did play it via the Wednesday night stream. Yeah. Which debacle had some technical difficulties, unfortunately. Um, that reminds me, I'm glad that actually we are talking about that now because I'm, I am going to get you Mm -hmm. a new Xbox controller, Steve, because I have now come to the conclusion you're cheap, which I know already. I like, however, your controller sucks and we need to make sure you have a proper controller. So that way we can actually hear you because what happened was ladies and gentlemen, was we had a very fun banter back and forth while we were playing. We We both had a lovely time. Great time. However, when I went to review the video on Twitch, it was only my voice that was present. Steve was nowhere to be found. Which sucked. Very unfortunate indeed. And so we have decided that uh, <laughs> probably should do a little bit of the old testy test before we go live. Yeah. One of those things we probably should be doing the whole time. But one of the things we're going to be doing in order to make sure that this experience is the best it can be is to get Steve a proper first party Xbox controller. My controller's fine. I got it to, well, okay, so you I got it. To, <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a few kicks and suddenly decided <laughs> to work. <laughs> All I had to do was unplug the controller, plug it back in, and it was, you could hear me. I, I, I when you sign on to Twitch and then it brings up the little notification that says, no, your audio, you know, your so-and-so is twitching, your audio is not included. I clicked the thing saying to include my audio. And then uh, I thought it was a done deal. But error could have been in my end, Russ. Error could have been in my end. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what that's at. I see. What else have you been playing, Steve? You know, uh, we well, that's actually the only game I've been... Okay. I am disappointed in you, Steve. I did actually play some Battletoads. Did you now? I did. I got my Xbox Live subscription back up and running, as I'm sure you know. Congratulations. We wouldn't be able to play Overwatch otherwise. That is true. And so all my Game Pass library is back. 
And there's other games I haven't played yet, but I thought, eh, Battletoads, why not uh, play it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, what do you think of the uh, the new Xbox dashboard there, Steve? It's okay. It's not bad. It's not bad, Rose. It's not bad. I'm not partial to it, but it's not bad. Oh, okay. And I think that's bad. Well, I did watch another movie, but you know what, Russ? Uh, the clouds have clouded my memory, and I forgot what other movie <laughs> I watched. I'm trying to think. Can't think of it. But it was something in my library. <sighs> Don't know what it was. So, moving right along. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into some gaming news, if that is, in fact, the case. Starting things off here. Sucker Punch job listing may hint (laughs) at a Ghost of Tsushima sequel or new experience. A narrative writer job listing for Sucker Punch may hint that a sequel or new experience may be in the works for Ghost of Tsushima. The requirement on this particular narrative writer position specifically asks for a, quote, desire to write stories set in feudal Japan, end quote. Considering Ghost of Tsushima takes place during the time period in 1274, to be exact, this could indicate Sucker Punch isn't quite ready to leave this new PlayStation exclusives world just quite yet. It's important to note that this may not be for a traditional sequel and could be for DLC, new story content for Ghost of Tsushima Legends, or even a new standalone experience like that of Uncharted Lost Legacy or Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Either way, however, those who enjoy Ghost of Tsushima, which was PS4's fastest selling first party original IP debut, have reason to be hopeful. Steve, what do you think about that? I think it's freaking fantastic, Russ. I would agree with you, Steve. I love that little world that uh, where I'm a samurai, Russ. I like it. It is definitely one of my all-time favorite PS4 titles. Moving right along to Ubisoft, unlocking over 1,000 club rewards as you play phases out. Ubisoft has announced that its Ubisoft Club and Uplay service will be coalescing under a single banner on October 29th as Ubisoft Connect. As several older games won't be making the transition, however, the publisher has decided to unlock over 1,000 club rewards that will no longer be accessible under the new program. We have a quote here. It says, Some of our older games are no longer patched and have not transitioned to Ubisoft Connect and will still have Ubisoft Club branding even after the release of Ubisoft Connect. Ubisoft's Frequently Asked Questions page reads, For these games, we have unlocked all the Ubisoft Club rewards for free. You will see notifications for the unlocks when you start your game. In its heyday, Ubisoft Club reward players with Ubiplay uh, units when they accomplish certain in-game challenges like completing a, a mission or, or fulfilling other random tasks. Uh, those units could then be spent on rewards that ranged from desktop wallpapers to in-game skins and upgrades. Uh, but after Connect goes live later this month, club challenges for several games will be disabled, but stats and leaderboards will still be accessible. I personally want to applaud Ubisoft for this. I think this is really cool of them to do so. I think they could have easily made a wrong decision to like kind of just kind of do away with that, but I'm glad that they've just decided to unlock all that stuff for free because really at the end of the day, that's just all kind of swaggy kind of stuff that just kind of enriches the fans in terms sure. of, you know, oh, sweet, I get something, you know, like like the wallpaper thing, for instance. Of course. I think it's awesome. I mean, there's some Ubisoft games that I enjoy playing. I mean, I have um, the Far Cry series, and of course I have, I, I, there's been something on the Assassin's Creed Black Flag that I've always wanted to get, and it was like 15 bucks, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to get it for 15 bucks, but I mean... If you're going to throw it away. Of course, I don't know where they... No, I haven't checked yet to see if those are what's available. But I will. Interesante. They, I do have a final note on here that says... Uh, what's it say, Russ? The list of games that will not be making a full shift to Ubisoft <laughs> Connect include recent releases <laughs> like... Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Far Cry 5. I don't have Far Cry 5. South Park, The Fractured But Whole. Oh, Anno 1800, Ghost Recon Wildlands, all new stuff pretty much, Just Dance 2020. Yeah, I don't have that one. The Crew 2. Never heard of it. No, yeah, yeah, I have heard of it. And Starlink Battle for Atlas. 
But they did they did also include saying um, there are several older installments of the Assassin's Creed series. So live games such as the Division 2 and Rainbow Six Siege are scheduled to be brought into the Connect fold over a two-month period after October 29th, and every new Ubisoft game is planned to launch with full Connect functionality. So there you have it. I'll have to look into it, Rod. NBA 2K19 fans are unhappy at an increase in the number of in-game unskippable ads. What the so this crap was, is this? This is when uh, th- this was actually reported by Eurogamer. Um, Eurogamer reports that unhappy NBA 2K19 players are complaining that unskippable ads have popped up via loading screens on the basketball sim across most platforms. Whilst loading advertisements in the NBA 2K franchise aren't new, the sudden flood of irate messages across Reddit and social media um, concerning 2K19 um, intimates either a bug or an upswing in the number of advertisements playing. So anyway, I was reading some of the the quotes from the from the fans and stuff. It sounds like they're they're pretty irritated by this whole entire situation. Um, now, one of the things that is worth noting, though, is that if you found the adverts troublesome, um, there was a, a person on Reddit who said um, that players can turn off what they call, you know, 2K TV in the main menu settings. And uh, I think I have a quote here. It says, 2K TV is over uh, for the season anyways. And if you want to watch it for the VC, you can always go directly to its section in the game. However, I've just tested this myself. And despite uh, deselecting 2K TV in the main menu, a loading screen ad still rolled nonetheless. So I think they're, they're still trying to work that stuff out a little bit there. But um, kind of interesting, though. I, I actually have not played 2K19, so I can't really comment on this myself. But um, interesting to see how they have, especially considering the game is not free. You know, it's a $60 game. Uh, for them to have some sort of unskippable ad kind of situation, that strikes me as something that would be more appropriate for like a free-to-play game. But that's just one man's opinion, Steve. Strikes me as trying to satisfy their stockholders more so than their gamers, Russ. You might just be onto something with that there, Steve. Moving yeah, I kind of like my chair. To well, not you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about over there, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, moving next. Uh, so, Steve, did you watch... The Animaniacs 2020 trailer? No, Russ, I did not. Why am I not surprised, Steve? Because <laughs> I wasn't like fan of the Animaniacs. I don't really understand why I'm sending you this stuff ahead of time, Steve. <laughs> so uh, I'm particularly excited about this because, yes, that is correct. They're back. The Warner Brothers, Yakko and Wacko, and the Warner sister Dot have a great time wreaking havoc and mayhem in the lives of everyone they meet. After returning to their beloved home, the Warner Brothers Water Tower, the siblings waste no time and causing chaos and comic confusion as they run loose through the studio, turning the world into their personal playground. Joining Yako, Wako, and Dot, fan favorite characters Pinky and the Brain also return to continue their quest for world domination. New episodes of the Animaniacs premiere Friday, November 20th on Hulu. That makes me extremely happy, Steve. I don't know if you were ever a fan of the Animaniacs or Pinky and the Brain, but I sure was. I don't remember you being that big of a fan, Russ. You don't remember the German friendship song, Steve? No. You don't remember naming the country song, Steve? Yes. Oh, he remembers that one. No, it was a lot of fun. I, I I feel like that was kind of a return a little bit to almost like the Looney Tune quality of manic mayhem, if you know what I'm saying, Steve. Just maybe. Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon trailer. Did, did you see this trailer, Steve? I did not. You get an F. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Disney recently released their latest trailer for their new CG film that's supposed to come out um, first quarter of 2021. I believe it's it's scheduled to come out at least at this point in time in March. Oh, yeah, next year. And so... This year is a throwaway year for movies, Russ. It it really is. Plan everything for next year. It really is, I agree. Um, But it... This actually was a bit surprising to me when I watched it because it almost is like Disney's answer to How to Train Your Dragon from DreamWorks. It has kind of that same kind of sure uh, similarity, if you yeah, will, yeah, even yeah, though yeah, this yeah, one is yeah, more yeah, predominantly yeah, 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 in, in an yeah, Asian yeah, world yeah, versus yeah. the How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, more of a Viking world, Russ. Yes. 
Uh, but anyway, I'll be curious to see how everything turns out with that. And not to mention that the current Disney film, I think it's called Soul, that guy actually was supposed to be in the theaters. They moved it to Disney Plus, and I'm not even sure when that is scheduled to debut. Do you know? Isn't that? No, I don't. Isn't that Pixar? Pixar Disney Pixar? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I will have to look into that because I think... If I remember correctly, I think they were planning on dropping that in November for Disney Plus. So, I don't know. Little side note there. The Falcon and Winter Soldier is bringing back some of the earliest MCU characters. Well, if you, Steve, were to dust off phase one of the Blu-rays for a rewatch, like I do... Uh, Marvel's upcoming The Falcon and Winter Soldier Disney Plus series is due to bring back some of the MCU's earliest characters. The Falcon and Winter Soldier is a six... Now, this surprised me. Apparently, it is a six-episode Disney Plus series centered around the various characters, and it's already known that it's bringing back some of the characters we've already seen in the MCU, like Daniel Brohl's villainous Zemo and Emily Van Camp's uh, Sharon Carter from Captain America Civil War. Ah. But according to the show's writer, audiences can expect the return of some other MCU characters, namely those from earlier movies. And I have a quote here, Steve. There are characters from the earliest of the Marvel movies that are coming back, says the series writer. Vision? They're layering them in, reinventing them in such a way that it's going to kind of shift the storytelling structure, which is, according to him, awesome. Uh, you know, he wouldn't go as far as to actually name drop who these early characters are, but our, um, I don't know. If you had, to, if you had to look at what phase one consisted of black it, widow, <laughs> it wouldn't be too <laughs> unusual giving uh, or given another, uh, Disney plus Marvel series. WandaVision to your point, Steve <laughs> has already confirmed the return of cat, uh, Dinia's phase one character, Darcy Lewis, not exactly vision, but I would rule out Vision. I mean, that, like, because they, they're doing their own kind of TV show thing on Disney Plus, it would make perfect sense for them to make little cameos. As Crystal Method would say, Russ, keep hope alive. Sherlock Holmes 3 is on the back burner. This makes me uh, very um, vexed. <sighs> yeah, yeah, vexed is a good one, Steve. <laughs> Director Dexter Fletcher has confirmed that Sherlock Holmes 3 is currently on the back burner after facing new issues due to the coronavirus pandemic this year. Appearing as a guest on the Celebrity Catch-Up podcast, Fletcher, who is taking over the franchise from Guy Ritchie, my man, shared an update on the third Sherlock Holmes installment as he admitted that the project has been put on hold indefinitely whilst they try to figure out a plan of action that will enable them to move forward with the production. Quote, Sherlock's hit its own issues on and off, Fletcher said. That sort of thing on the back burner at the moment until it becomes clear where the world is at and what's going to happen. The same is with The Saint. I'm pushing ahead with both of them, and that's always part of the challenge, end quote. So, I don't know if, if you recognize that name, Steve, but Fletcher explained that The Saint is a, is a reboot of the 1997 action thriller that starred Val Kilmer. Uh, Val Kilmer, I do remember that one, Russ. Uh, is, was Elizabeth Shue in that one, too? You are correct. Thank you very much. He uh, had faced the same challenges as Sherlock Holmes 3 as he cited COVID-19, travel bans, and social gathering restrictions as the main dilemma for the film productions. However, I am very excited that Sherlock Holmes is continuing on. It didn't stop with two. And I'm also very excited to see that The Saint is being resurrected just because I really like that movie. I thought the, the character was a neat idea, and I was really surprised at the time that I think, if I remember correctly, they only came out with one movie. I believe you are correct, Mudo. Finally, Ghostbusters Afterlife release date delayed three months to June 2021. Summertime. So this has been absolutely nuts when it comes to the, the reshuffling and rescheduling of all these movies that were supposed to come out this year. I, In fact, I remember at the beginning of 2020, you and I were geeking out about how excited we were at just looking at the schedule of what films were scheduled to come out for this year. And we have basically seen none of them. Right. Like Sonic the Hedgehog was the last movie I think we saw in the theater. And that was like in February. I think so. That was a while ago. 
insane. Anyway, in the earliest days of the ongoing global health crisis, Sony made the move um, to delay all of their summer 2020 films to the next year. Uh, Now, they initially shifted Ghostbusters Afterlife to March 2021, but of course that could change. Um, More recently, several studios are continuing to shuffle their slates with Disney and Warner Brothers choosing new dates for upcoming movies. Now, Sony is the latest to make some changes, making the wait for Ghostbusters Afterlife a little longer. I want to say they they actually end up pushing back Ghostbusters Afterlife um, a couple of times. I don't think this is the first time they've done it, right? Like, wasn't it supposed to come out like in the spring of this year? And then they moved it to like the end of the summer and now they moved it to uh, 2021? Well, I, I think that's just based on COVID not going away. I don't know if it's delayed because of production necessarily. It's a pretty big movie, Russ. I have no idea. I don't. I think it's delays based on like strategic, like make the biggest bang for your buck when everybody's uh, healthy and ready to come back and not be so far away from each other. I understand. Dust off that nostalgia, it's time for the topic of the day. Atari VCS console. Now, what's very interesting to me, as well as all of you, I'm sure, is that Atari has returned to the living room with the the Atari VCS, a completely modern gaming and video computer system blending the best of consoles and PCs to delight a whole new generation of gamers and creators. Steve, what do you think about the idea of Atari making an entrance back into the console wars? Russ, I think it's a little bit too little too late. You know what I'm saying? I think that, um, you know, the title of the article is that uh, Atari is going to crash the party. And uh, I think it's more like two popular guys at the party going, hey, who's this guy? I don't know. You want to hang out? No, whatever, let's continue. <laughs> Turn up the music. <laughs> like, who's that guy over there? That's the new Atari guy. <laughs> I mean, he's like kind of as expensive as we are, but uh, why is he just saying something now? Did anybody invite him? <laughs> Maybe he'll just go away on his own. I don't know. <laughs> So they were promoting four key areas of this console. The first part they talk about is the idea, of course, of playing. Discover new and classic games on Atari's new open platform, powered by AMD Ryzen with Radeon graphics technology. And we'll get to that in a little bit here. But the second key pillar here is streaming. So they are going to be supporting the Mm. idea where you can watch your favorite web-based streaming videos and entertainment and play games at up to 4K resolution at 60 frames per second. No way. Um, I I do think, though, that the idea of them streaming at 60 frames per second um, might be behind in terms of what the PS5 and Xbox Series X can do Mm. because I think... That the uh, the other two consoles should be available. They should be able to do it at 120 frames. Is that right? Or is that only certain titles for streaming? Yeah, yeah. I know, like you know, if you're just playing the game, obviously. Uh, yeah. Well, is it so? Is it game game streaming or like game playing or like your streaming services? Because this, well, this this specifically says play games at up to 4K resolution and 60 frames per second. Well, Russ, 60 frames a second is a pretty good thing. But it doesn't mean much if your your games aren't really there. You know what I mean? Like, Atari's been gone for a long 
time, Russ. They have indeed, Steve. They have indeed. Let me just get through these last two pillars and we'll get into that, Steve. The third pillar is the idea of create. Develop new TV-based games and apps for yourself, your family, or to share with the Atari VCS community. And finally, the fourth pillar is the idea of connect where Atari's first uh, connected device opens new possibilities to play with friends and publish your creations as part of an expansive community of gamers, fans, and devs. No relation to Xboxes. Connect. Correct. <laughs> How are they? Uh, they did spell the word connect correctly. Oh, good. <laughs> but yeah, I think that you bring up um, one of the big things that is kind of the big elephant in the room, oh, which, which is that... Um, what games are there to play? Now, clearly they have their whole library that they've been pushing of the classic sure. Atari 2600 right. style games. Hey, and if you're in the mood for nostalgia or whatever, there are many great old school games, but that's not ultimately what's going to carry a system for five to 10 years. That's right, Russ. So I was digging around. Honestly, I didn't find any kind of next gen titles that were on uh, a showcase. Pong 4K. Can you imagine it? Can you believe it? See, what's weird, though, is when I think back um, to, for instance, I think it was the Atari Jaguar. If you, <laughs> if you recall, <laughs> you had the Sega Saturn at the time, 32-bit system. You had, the, you had the Sony PlayStation 1 that came out. That's also 32-bit. So Atari wanted to get the technological technological leap on top of its competition. So it decided to go with a 64 bit system. And I remember they had like two or three games that they showed that were like these, I I want to say they were first party titles, but like one of them was like alien versus predator. I, I will always remember that because I was very impressed with a graphics showcase of that game. And then I think they had like a tempest update to their classic tempest game. And they had something else, and I can't remember what it was called. I thought it was a shooter. It may have been. Like, like a spaceship shooter. I know they had something like that. But, I mean, I remember seeing the commercials for it when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but, like, as they had the Atari Jaguar system, they also had their handheld system. They also came up with the Atari Lynx. Right. Which, if you recall, actually was a decent Pretty system. Decent, yeah. You know, like, like, it actually, it was a 16-bit system, I believe. And I think the, the main issue they had, of course, was title support because yeah, the, the, com, the competition was a Game Boy, which was black and white or green and black. <laughs> and then you had Game Gear, which was 8-bit and was, was awesome. very, I mean, it was, it was a fun platform for sure. But at the same time, by comparison, the graphics fidelity just, just wasn't on the same level. So... That was actually a big surprise at the time, because if you recall, Atari was out of the game for a while. Like, like I think it was like after the Atari 2600, they just kind of went away and Nintendo really took the mantle. And then, of course, you had Sega that came in and TurboGrafx. Oh, you know what? What, Russ? I actually maybe I may have misspoke. Was it the TurboGrafx that made the the links or was it the Atari? In terms of that portable system, because I want to say that Turbo Graphics also had a handheld device, didn't they? I don't. I don't think they did. Oh man, that's. I wonder if I'm getting my wires crossed. I'm going to do a quick little thing right here. Positive and negative. Okay, electrocuted. Okay, so I was correct. Atari Lynx. It was in fact Atari. Ah, good job, Rod. Woo! Man. High five. <laughs> Oh, top <laughs> gold star for you. Now, now I'm just curious. Let's take a look at Turbo Graphics 16. Yeah, okay. And I can't even see your screen. I'm just sitting here chilling. Okay. So they also had a handheld device. And now that I'm looking at pictures, I totally remember it. It's called the Turbo Express. Never heard of it. Oh man, here, let me see. Let me, let me see. Let me show you pictures. I'm rotate my laptop here. Remember that bad boy right there? Uh, no. We saw television commercials of Bonk playing on that Turbo Express. That was their version of the game handheld boy. device. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you know, I, I feel exonerated, Steve. 
I really do. Wow. I was correct in, in that Turbo Graphics and Atari. Sorry about the little bump there. I'm trying to get my laptop back in order. <laughs> but actually, both of those had portable devices. So very cool indeed. A little trip to see. Trips down memory lane have their payoff, Steve. That's fantastic, Russ. Anyway, at the time, when those two Atari systems debuted, people really thought, it was like, whoa, Atari's making a big comeback. And I think that there was respect. Like when you and I saw like the magazine advertisements of the uh, the Atari Jaguar, I remember both of us were like, whoa, that, that looks pretty legit. That yeah. looks pretty cool. Fist bump. Right. And we were too poor. I mean, we, we, we couldn't afford to go out and buy all the new systems. I mean- I'm like, in sixth grade. How many times do I have to make my bed to have enough? <laughs> um, and so like Neo Geo was another system that we Neo really- Geo. Now that's a system that needs to come back and make a return. Neo Geo. SNK was the Sink. company. That's right. And I think the Neo Geo was a 24-bit system. I was up there, Russ. Something like that, which yeah. was, you know, that was pretty sexy considering back in the time it was uh, only 16-bit systems that were available. And then you had the, yeah. if, you, if you had the coins, I think the Neo Geo was like $720, if oh, I'm not mistaken. man. It was pretty high up there. And the Neo Geo in the arcades, you could you could select four different ones. You didn't have to go search for your arcade. That's right. You're like, yeah, this one's got a four. It's got to be in there somewhere, the one I want to play. Well, and apparently the cartridges for the Neo Geo were just huge. I mean, you just had to take two hands and be like, shunk. Like water pails. Yeah, I'm going to play this one. <laughs> it's like paint cans. Cold dunk. Oh, threw my back out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what's interesting to me is that the Atari Jaguar was short-lived. And I think that it was, um, I can't remember all the details about it, but I do recall there was some kind of, um, what's the word? Some of the business practices or something, I can't remember. Like, I don't know if there was corruption yeah, or well, there was I, something else. But I think it was both business plans. Plus, the thing, I've, from what I remember, I think... I read something that said the system was like crazy difficult to work on oh, okay. or, or develop for. So it was like a mix of like, man, this is taking forever to build, make games for. Plus it was, it was some bad business choices combined. I mean, it wasn't just short lived. It was like way short lived. I think it only lasted about a year. If that, if that maybe even less than a year than the system was I, gone. I would, no, I would say it lasted at least a couple of years. I remember, I don't remember ever seeing, I remember seeing commercials for the games at one point and then that was like the one time and that was it. And then the rest of the time it was just Sega and Nintendo. Yeah. No, they, they definitely were not successful with that particular product launch. I do, I mean, based on what I saw, I do think that the hardware itself was probably decent hardware. But again, I think that they ran into the problem of attracting third-party support. Also, they just didn't have very many first-party divisions that could create ongoing support for the, the system itself. So then Atari went away. And I believe this is the first time we've seen them come back. And what I want to do is, well, let, let's, let's continue on with the game idea. I think um, on the one hand, it's really cool to see Atari make a comeback just because they're like the OG gaming system, right? Like, I mean, they have this, this lineage that I personally respect. I think it's really cool that they were the ones who really ushered in this idea that you could have more interactivity with the television because at the time television was still kind of relatively new. If you think about it, because the Atari 2600 and, and the Atari systems before that came out in the seventies and really it was like the, like the, 50s when televisions kind of were uh, available for mass um, consumption. And then it was like the 60s where you started to, um, I think, have um, the introduction of uh, more color being standardized in, in television and whatnot. But I think the biggest thing about it was the fact that it, it transformed the television from being this passive peripheral that you had in your family room into something you engaged with, you interacted with. You actually, if you had friends or family playing with you, became more of a social environment for you to interact with and comment on. And, and sure. The notion that you could actually control certain things that were happening on screen, huge, right? 
But um, one of the biggest concerns that I think everybody has at this point is what is the support with the games moving forward with the Atari VCS? Exactly. Plus, I think with the price point, it's like almost, it's like 389 bucks, almost $400 for, and, and yes, you get like, I think 100 games with it. But in this day and age, I mean, I'm looking to spend 500 bucks on a system, 400 bucks on another system. So I'm at 900 right now that I'm not going to, I can't even afford to spend right away uh, on both. And then I got to consider another basically 400, you know, it's going to be 389 plus tax. So over 400 bucks again for base for, so 400 bucks for nostalgia is basically what it is. I'm granted it's not going to be like, you know, crappy graphics and whatnot. Everything's going to be updated, but you're going to, you got to be thinking back, like, what did I play on Atari that was really good and can it compete right now? And there's a ton of other games that are coming out. Plus, I want to play all my games in, in, uh, that I have for current gen and see how well they play on next gen. So there's that going on. And so I just don't see it really, quote unquote, crashing the party in a sense, because I think people might think it's cool, but they're not going to spend 400 bucks on it right away. They might get it later on. I mean, Look at the the like the, the 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 Nintendo systems that are coming out, like the little eight bit ones that you can. It's all on one hard drive. You're playing, you know, nostalgia there. Those are awesome, but no one's playing them like day in and day out. Same thing with the the, the Sega Genesis. So, but those were at a price point that was more easily affordable, right? Not four hundred bucks. So. I don't know. I think they have an uphill climb. Like I, I almost think this is the wrong time to launch it because more people have been following the hype now for Microsoft and Sony for years, a long time. And granted, Atari's been talking about this for two years, but we've seen nothing about it. Like there's been basically almost zero marketing. And all of a sudden now they're going to launch it at the same time. It's, I mean, movie studios, for example, if we we're going to compare. They, they literally, okay, if... Avengers is coming out. I'm, I'm, you know, Christopher Nolan's not going to launch his next movie at the same time Avengers because everybody's going to be talking about Avengers, but he will launch it later on when, when the, the excitement has calmed down because now his movie is going to be relevant and his movie is going to be awesome. And no one, and everyone's now going to be talking about his movie. So I don't know. I mean, I think Atari's got some cojones to do it at this point, but I just hope it doesn't bite them back. One of the things I think is interesting about this particular console is the PC mode. And I think it's, it's actually kind of a novel approach because it's starting to bridge be the, the gap between console gaming versus PC gaming. And I think it was, what's interesting about it is that due to its architecture, if you want to have it be predominantly always a console, like a gaming console, you can do so. But I do appreciate the flexibility of it. And I don't think it's like something that is completely novel just because I do think like, like the Xbox one, for example, you've been having um, these systems that have the, uh, the ability to be able to hook up and connect with your personal PC, right? Like, you know, you can, do things to a certain extent. It doesn't mean that you can actually leverage the, the, the gaming console itself for PC applications necessarily. And I'm, I'm curious to learn more about it when it comes to the Atari PCS, just because the, the system doesn't come with a keyboard or a mouse or anything like that. So I'm not exactly sure if they are just talking about being able to like, like if you wanted to go on steam and download a game that normally is only for PC, maybe it will actually work on the Atari VCS if, for instance, your PC is too old, right? I could see that being, you know, an incentive in, ter- in terms of being able to play certain games like that. I think, that, I think that's, that's cool. When it comes to the controllers, now they have two different types of controllers, and I, for one, am very happy about this. First of all, they are bringing back the classic joystick controller that everybody knows and loves from the days of the Atari 2600, but they've made certain improvements to it uh, that are very subtle. But if you look at it more closely, you're like, oh, wow, it looks really cool. Like, for instance, with the, the, the joystick itself, 
depending on the the direction that that you're moving it, there's actually some sort of like red LED light that flashes on um, and they're, they're segmented, right? So like you have all those different um, degrees of axis um, depending on how you're doing it. So little, little touches like that, it's cool because they're trying to maintain the OG feel of the original console, but then introduce kind of more of the modern touches and accents and that sort of thing. The second controller is, I mean, it, it really does look like an Xbox controller. It does. Yeah. And I don't necessarily fault them for that because the PS five controller looks a whole lot like the Xbox controller. And I think it's a testament to Microsoft's success story when it comes to coming up with a controller that quite honestly, it's awesome. It, yeah. it really is like, like the, the best um, ergonomic controller and in terms of, of the button layout, the analog stick layout, I mean, everything about it, um, just from a, a comfort and usability standpoint, I think it's fantastic. But I think it's cool that they have their own thing. You know, they they um, incorporated the branding colors and stuff into the controller. I think that's cool. Did you like it, Steve? Yeah, I, I thought the controller looked a little bit basic. I'm, I'm more of a fan of the, the joystick approach, honestly. Because everyone else has a handheld, and I guess the joystick is kind of handheld too, but it's totally different than everything else that you're holding on to. Um, so I think with their games, I, w- I would say the joystick approach is is better. Yeah. Kind of sets apart their branding a bit. I, I really do enjoy both of them. And, and, you know, if I were to get the system, I think I'd have fun going back and forth, right? Like, it would depend on the game itself. If I was playing one of the 100 classic games, you got to use the joystick. Of course. Well, I, going back to the PC thing real quick, because I, I was reading that, I didn't really understand, like, what their approach was to it, because, I mean, there are some PC functions. I mean, like, for example, there's an internet... Explorer on the Xbox. So you can go browse the web, for example, but like you're not going to use your Xbox to type a document or do a PowerPoint presentation right. or something. So I mean, that, I mean, maybe you, maybe somebody wants to use their, their 65 inch TV to, to do that with. Otherwise it's still just an entertainment machine, which kind of bases it on the functions that we still have now with Xbox and PlayStation. You can stream music. You can watch Disney Plus on it, Netflix, Hulu. You know, it, it's kind of like the same sort of functions, which aren't bad. But if you're going to say, hey, we're going to have some PC functions, I just it makes me wonder, like, what other PC functions are they hoping to, to, to pack in the box? If I had to speculate, I would guess that they are trying to make the system into some sort of opportunity for people who want to create their own apps, create their, you know, in terms of, of whether it's a game or if it's uh, something that you would use on, on a mobile device, I have no idea. But I do think that they're trying to, to present the Atari VCS as this platform that allows for, like you said, mostly entertainment, you know, when it comes to streaming your favorite shows or movies, or you want to play a game or you want to um, stream your gaming adventures, that sort of thing. Again, they're not breaking the mold at all here because this is exactly what the PS5 and Xbox Series X, you know, and quite honestly, what the Xbox One and the PS4 have been doing uh, for a while now. I think what's interesting with the PC mode, like I, I mentioned earlier, though, is I, I wonder if the support has to do with if you want to download, like if you want to purchase and download a, a PC only title, because that's been one of the issues, right? If you're, if you're a, a, a PlayStation owner or maybe even if you know, on the Xbox, like, you know, if, if there are certain games that you did not get on game pass, cause they're not available on game pass. Um, or maybe there's a game that is predominantly just made for PC. It's not made for either the, the PlayStation or the Xbox. Well, then you have to have a PC in order to play that game. And I think Atari recognizes that. And so they want to be able to somehow offer support so that if there are some of those PC exclusives, you can literally go into PC mode on your Atari and then still make a purchase, play that game on your Atari system. I think that would be cool. My only drawback from that is a lot of folks who have PCs and play games on PCs, like they're getting state-of-the-art, like NVIDIA graphics cards and whatnot to make that game look pretty awesome. 
And so a lot of, a lot of components are being swapped out. And I don't know if you can swap out components necessarily on the Atari, in which case the version you're going to get is going to be a real stripped out kind of basic version of the PC game, which some folks might still think that's cool, but graphics are kind of sort of big with video games. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the design, Russ? Well, I was just about to segue into that, so I'm glad you asked. <laughs> this is actually one of the my favorite aspects of this entire system. Yeah. I love the design of this. I don't know if you watched much of, of kind of the nuts and bolts of like how they, they approach the design of this system. It's really cool. Um, what I think is interesting is how when you look at the original um, Atari 2600, it was very fashionable for its day. It came out in the 70s. Had wood on it. it. Yeah, it had that wood paneling. It had the the ribbed um, kind of look with everything. It had those, it had those um, uh, what are they, levers or whatever, those like little those switches, switches yeah. that you could switch you know, up and down. In fact, if you looked closely at those switches, they had little um, iconography on there next to the switches and stuff, and it was like a, like a kind of a yellow color. So, I mean, it was like predominantly seventies fashion. Like it was like the whole brown, black, yellow earth tones, maybe even like teensy weensy bit of orange in there as well <laughs> somewhere. Um, and so to me, I applaud the designers of this because it's no easy feat to bring back that type of design in 2020, but they did. And I think it looks hot. Honestly, I mean, I really like how they have managed to maintain the vintage qualities of the Atari 2600, but then bring in these modern sensibilities that like, once again, it helped to accent um, this console so that when you combine it together and you look at it, you're like, man, that, that, that is a sharp little console there. Yeah, it definitely looks different. It almost makes me wonder, I, you know, some of these systems have fans built into them. And I almost think I'm trying to remember the Dreamcast because right when you turn on the Dreamcast back in the day, I thought that was like a liquid cooled system. And I could be wrong, but I mean, that that thing was pushing out some some heat, but that, that, that little fan was blowing, whatever it was. But anyhow, usually with items that have the ribs on them, they're almost like heat sinks in, in, in a way. And so I'm wondering, I mean, I don't know the dimensions of the system, but I'm wondering if that's how it's going to be where there's no fan, there's no anything to dispense heat except for all the ribs. In which case, it, that whole chassis might be pretty hot. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, if it's all digital, I can't get that hot, I don't think. But um, anyhow, it just makes me wonder if all, the whole entire system is going to be like <laughs> dissipating heat versus like one little section. Like, for example, if you look at like car stereo amplifiers, how they have those almost shark fins, depending on the amplifier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's basically if you cut those off and file them down, those are all along the Atari system. You know, one of the other things that I think is really slick about this particular design is they actually have three different versions of the console that you can order. So the one that, that probably everybody knows is you know, you have that kind of uh, wood paneling on the front, right? Like they're calling that the the black walnut, right? <laughs> and it looks great because like, you look at the rib sections um, and that's more of a black color. Then you have the, the black walnut brown wood paneling on the front and then the Atari um, logo that illuminates when you turn it on. Um, and that's more of a white color. It just, it looks really, really cool. And then of course they incorporate the, the you know, classic burnt orange color um, in different places, like on the back and that sort of thing. So then the second option is um, more of an Onyx all bundle where like, like the entire system is just all black and it looks almost like, like what you'd expect with like an Xbox one, right? Or Xbox series X. And then the Atari logo, once again, illuminates white on the front again, Totally reminds me of Xbox, but it looks sleek. Um, and then finally, they also have um, what they call the carbon gold, which the the front of the panel where you normally the wood would be, they actually have like these, um, I don't even know what they are, but it's like like in a 45 degree angle, like these, these yellow lines. And I don't know if they like light up when the system turns on or if they're just always colored that way, um, but they look like little pixels that are going in a 45 degree angle. My personal favorite though 
it's got to be the black walnut. I think the black walnut is yeah. definitely what I would go for. Yeah. And um, again, I think if 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 I were to, to to give like my concluding thoughts on this, it's that I think it's fantastic that that Atari is still alive. You can tell that the console itself, the design that they that they have presented, even their website. You know, if you go to uh, atarivcs.com, you can see um, that this wonderful presentation. It's very thoughtful. Um, you can tell they have a partnership with Twitch, so that they're making a lot of right decisions in terms of the setup. And I tip my hat to those designers and engineers who, I mean, this is very clearly to me a love letter to Atari, right? The main issue that I have though is what are the game support, you know, what is, what is the game support going to look like um, in the five to 10 year time frame? Because I, for one, am definitely not going to be spending $400 on an Atari system that only has games from 40 to 50 years ago. You know, I think that, that if the price were to be reduced, like for instance, like I'd pick it up for like a hundred bucks. Sure. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that in terms of, of disrespecting Atari, I'm just saying, you know, if you want to charge a premium price that is in line with what the Xbox series X and the PS five are charging, which I mean, they can do because they have demonstrated a first party and third party game support. Like they have a library that's there, not to mention the fact that they too, especially Microsoft has this pre-existing library of games that are not 40, 50 years ago that are actually part of the Xbox one and Xbox 360 lineup. And it's they're backwards compatible. You know, you've really got to demonstrate that. And I think if I had to wager a guess, I would say that they probably couldn't get there just because this was more of a passion project. They probably don't have the amount of personnel that Microsoft or Sony has. And so it was like, it was a, a, a major triumph for them just to be able to get this over the finish line and have it not be vaporware. actually have it be something that's very tangible. That's going to be released with the other consoles. But I, I just, I wonder if they just don't, simply have enough money in the bank to be able to really woo certain types of AAA developers onto their platform. So it remains to be seen for me. I mean, well, what are your concluding thoughts? My concluding thoughts would basically be uh, back to the timing again. I, I wish them all the best. I have no ill intent to Atari whatsoever. I'd, I'd love to play it. And I'd love, I mean, they're, they're giving you a hundred games. So there's gotta be something in there for everybody. But what I, I just am really nervous about their timing. It's so close to Christmas. People know little to nothing about the system and they're going to drop it with stuff that's been on the hype train for years and expecting some sort of payouts, like some sort of community marketing, uh, backing, you know, people to, to obviously buy it. And if hardly anybody has ever heard of it, they're gonna gonna go, oh, Atari? Hey, have you seen that? Okay, cool. Well, we're here for a PlayStation. Or we're here for an Xbox. Well, we'll come get that later. And then, you know, they have to buy all the rest of their Christmas gifts. And then they're recouping from the early part of uh, winter into spring. And then it's tax time. And then you're into summertime. So that's around, I think, when they should be dropping it. And what would also be good is once people purchase all their games that they want to get, like the, the launch titles, and they're going, when are we going to get some more games? When is this going to happen? When's that going to happen? And then Atari goes, hey, in the meantime, we got 100 games that we've updated to 4K. You know, they're not going to be eight colors and that's it. You know, they're going to be all updated. Give us a shot. People would go, yeah, okay. You know, in the meantime, when I'm waiting for a ton of other games to come out, yeah, I'll give Atari a shot. But that's like nine months down the line. You know, I, I just really fear that um, what's going to happen is they're going to launch the system. It's not going to sell very well. And then it's going to go away because it didn't sell very well. Versus if they would have waited until the, until people started getting their, their new systems. And then this thing came out too. They would have been like, I think it would have been much more successful, but I've been wrong before. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you bring up a good point about the timing of it all, just because 
people are already trying to stretch their wallets in order to get both the PS5 and Xbox Series X. And also, too, if they were to wait uh, at least until the hype wore off of the new systems that got launched and then Atari comes out. That, I think that would have been wise, uh, not only to garner more attention to their new console, but also give them time to actually create some new games. So it's, it, it is kind of bewildering to me in the sense that if any company understands this, it should be Atari where like you have to have new compelling games in order to woo customers to your platform. Otherwise it just becomes this really cool design. Like, like for me, if I spent like a hundred bucks on it, I would buy it partially for all of the classic games, but also because once again, the design is so cool and speaks to the, the lineage of video games that it'd be fantastic to, to have it be something that I would place as a decorative element in my man cave, for example, because it's Atari, right? Like I have a ton of respect for the, 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 the company itself, but Atari's the reason we're all here for crying out loud playing games almost. Exactly. And so I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm wondering what their plan is moving forward. And I hope that they come out with something soon and we can see just, what they have in mind. One final note too is the limited amount of what I have seen from the dashboard, the actual UI of the the console itself is really fun. It looks like it's easy to navigate through. They're leveraging a lot of like the intentional like pixelated graphics. Like so, like if you're highlighting a game in your game's library, it had like the the actual like um, glowy uh, outline stroke. It is very pixely as if it looks like the Atari 2600 blocky graphics, but I think it's cool. Once again, they're, they're implementing and they're, they're, they're embracing and owning a lot of the different visual elements that people remember from their experiences with the Atari platform, but yet bringing it into a more modern phase. So, I mean, even that, I mean, like by all intents and purposes, all, everything they've, they've done as a setup for the platform, I dig, I think it's cool. And I think it's safe to say that we just, we wish him luck. There you go. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you next week. 